everyone, welcome back to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. We really appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode today. Jenna, we're being joined today by someone who we work pretty closely with, Zach Nicewanger. He's the manager of the behind the scenes tour experiences here at the zoo. So obviously, working with the hippos, working with the giraffes, we do a lot of behind the scenes experiences in our department. So we've got a lot of experience with Zach. We really appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your day to meet with us. Of course, thanks for having me, guys. I think it's important to say that the behind the scenes are so much more than just behind the scenes. And that's what I kind of wanted to focus on today is how much money these bring in and 50% of all the proceeds go back to conservation. So it's something we're really proud of here mm -hmm. and um, recently changed. We were doing 20% from tours until this, was it just last year that we changed that? It was Two last fiscal year, yes, okay. that we changed. So now we are giving 50% of all these proceeds, which I mean, if any of you have ever tried to get a hippo tour, you know that they sell out quickly and there are plenty of tours throughout the zoo happening. So there's a lot to give, which is really cool. So we wanted to talk about that, um, but tell us a little bit about yourself, what you did for schooling, how you ended up here, because this is a job, we say this often in this field, but I'm always like, I wouldn't have known this job existed. Yeah. And did you grow up saying you wanted to run behind the scenes at a zoo, or you know, how did you get into it? <laughs> sure, so I've always had this passion for wildlife. Um, I actually have a homework assignment I did in kindergarten that said I wanted to be a zookeeper when I grew up. Oh, That's awesome. Um, nice. I wanted my hours to be 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Thankfully, <laughs> that is not what I you work. You to do 12-hour so. days, interesting. <laughs> Um, so I've kind of always known what I wanted to do. I have a passion for speaking. I love sharing conservation messaging. And so I felt like a natural fit in this role, but this is not something I knew you could pursue as a career starting out. Um, but I went to Miami University in Oxford for schooling. I have a zoology degree. Um, and really, it's just that love for wildlife. Uh, I remember being a kid, much to my parents' chagrin, uh, I would pick up frogs and turtles from the local pond, put them in my pocket, bring them home. <laughs> in your pocket, man. Yes. I used to do that too, and I feel guilty about it now, like grabbing the frogs and turtles, but I sure didn't put them in my pocket. Yes, do they my, make it home? Uh, they alive? did sometimes. Uh, when I got dropped off at any nature camp I was doing, my parents would always frisk me down before I got in the car just to make sure I wasn't taking anything <laughs> oh home with they me. Learned. They learned. <laughs> yes, they did. They learned very quickly. But salamanders, you name it, I was trying to take them home. I was just so fascinated by them, and I wanted to study them more when I got back to my house. So. That's awesome. So then you went to school for zoology and said you wanted to be a zookeeper growing up. What it what changed your path or what? Sure. How and did you end up here? A lot of that is uh, circumstance. So I'm from Dayton originally. This is the zoo I grew up coming to, um, and I remember being a kid and hounding the zookeepers here with all sorts of questions. Uh, one of those people was actually Cecil Jackson Jr., who no I now co-workers with, which is very fascinating. <laughs> I don't know if he knows that or not, yeah. but uh, he was one of the people I remember talking to as a kid, and he inspired me to pursue this as a career. Um, and then in college, I really fell in love with the statistical aspect of tours as well and wildlife in general um, and sort of, you know, population surveys, all of that and how data can drive programs forward and how we are enveloping that more into conservation. Which what is, class was that? Uh, Biostatistics was wow, that okay. an amazing class, uh, terrible at it, but it was great. <laughs> uh, that and chemistry were my worst subjects by far. Um, and then I had some unique opportunities to work on a couple of projects in college as well. Um, I did a lot of KMER research and genome closure uh, with de novo uh, projects, which is great. Um, and then uh, we did some crab uh, population surveys with the rising temperatures. We're finding oh. that a lot of crabs are moving towards Canada for breeding. Wow. And so now there's a debate on 
who has the right to fish those populations? Is it Canada? Is it the U.S., where historically it's been off the coast of Maine, and now it is in Canada? So a lot of projects, a lot of cool aspects that I fell in love with in college and then decided to pursue as a career. So That's awesome. I don't think I took advantage of all these opportunities, or I didn't know they existed, or maybe they didn't where I went, but... That sounds really cool. So did you go to Maine to, to study the crabs or did you do traveling? Did not. A lot of it was done here. Uh, we did a lot of the data collection uh, here just through papers that were published. Oh, okay. um, and then we used uh, some high-end modeling systems to kind of predict where those uh, populations are going to be in the future. And then you get into the whole political aspect of that as well as to who has the rights to fish those mm -hmm. areas. So. That's interesting, though. So what brought you from Oxford here to the zoo? Like, how'd you get your start at Cincinnati Zoo? Sure. So I started uh, in the Wild Encounters program, um, and then they found out that I talk way too much. And so they <laughs> thought I would be a great fit for the, uh, the tour program. And then starting in October of 2021, I took over that program and been here ever since. I love it. So You know what? This is about you today, but we should give out a shout-out to Sam Cornell, who used to be the co-host of this podcast, left open the position for Zach. So now Zach is here filling in what Sam used to do. So any of you who have listened for a long yeah. time to this podcast, it's kind of a... Full circle yeah. moment, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we know the side of giving the tours and what happens with our giraffe and hippo tours. Um, but will you just start off by telling us, like, what are all the tours that the zoo offers? Sure. So uh, we have 19 different offerings here. Wow, yeah, I had no idea there were that many. Um, so uh, off the top of my head, uh, we've got the elephant extravaganza. We have hippos. We had uh, wallabies. We have so many penguin tours. You can uh, interact yeah, we with. We have all, so many penguins here. Yes, <laughs> all five of our penguin species here, which is incredible. Um, we have elephant bass. We have sloth tours. We have tortoises. Um, really anything ranging from the size of an elephant to insects that guests would want to interact with, we offer here. So we do have behind the scenes with our insect world. Can you tell guests what they would do on that tour? Sure, absolutely. So they get to meet Mandy and the team, and they are great down there. Um, they take you behind the scenes to the most diverse uh, population in the zoo. Um, and you get to see all sorts of stuff. They will bring out... Uh, Bearing beetles, all sorts of... Essentially, it's catered to the guests that's coming oh, through. Oh, okay. That's uh, very cool. Which is cool. pretty unique. So that if there's cool. a certain species you want to see, they'll let you hold it. They'll let you interact with it. Uh, the kids' favorite is always the giant walking sticks. They'll come over. They'll put that on your arm. Um, and it's incredible to see just how big they are in comparison to your forearm. <laughs> um, so I'm not personally the biggest fan of insects, but it is one of our favorite ones to get because the people who come on that tour are just so passionate about the animals they're interacting with. That's awesome. So when you're doing these tours, you're kind of facilitating and leading them, correct? Like you're educating the people on the conservation messaging and then usually either passing them off or you're side by side with the keepers, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And so these tours kind of stem from this zoo-wide concept of bringing people close enough to care. And so our job is to facilitate interactions with these species that guests can't get anywhere else. Um, and so we will take guests into the habitats traditionally. They'll get to help with either some form of enrichment, get to watch a feeding, or get to ask keepers some great questions. Um, and it's kind of a 50-50 split. Um, my team will lead 50% of the tours, but then there are some that we work right alongside with the keepers to do. Um, I cannot drive an elephant. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, that is to move an elephant from one area to the other. Um, so we rely heavily on the elephant keeper team to make that happen, and we're there to provide conservation support and also take some really great photos of the guests. So. 
Outside of us, because we know that you're our favorite team to work with. Outside of us, <laughs> who's your second favorite team to work with? Oh, can we put you on the spot? Can we put you on the spot? Usually we like hesitate to ask favorite animals. Now you have to name a person. Oh, or team. So I'm going to go, uh, just for the sake of it, with my favorite animal, which is the penguins. Um, I think they're great. So I love working with the birdhouse team. Nice. You guys are obviously my favorite. <laughs> uh, of course. Um, I'd like to be invited back. So you guys are definitely my favorite. Um, but I love the penguins. I just think they have such cool names here, too. Um, for those that don't know, we have our King Penguins here. We have BB King, Larry King, Martin Luther King. Um, and then they just had a Rock Hopper Penguin born last year, I believe, that they named Dwayne the Rock Hopper Johnson, which I just think That's is so classic. And amazing. So. I mean, penguins are cool, but I don't know if they compare to hippos and giraffes. I will say our most passionate fans are definitely for Fiona and coming to meet the bloat. So it is definitely our most popular tour. It sells out within a couple minutes every year. And this year was actually so popular we crashed the website, which yeah. is astounding. It made so. a lot of people very frantic and upset. But And we're doing, what, like 90 tours a year? We do anywhere from about <clears throat> 70 to 100 per year, just depending on how the weekdays fall. And we get a lot of additional requests. So. so that's specifically for hippos only. And then you did something that I think is really cool to try and give more people access um, and more opportunities that are affordable and maybe just a little different of coming behind the scenes in the hippo barn. We call those our hippo barn tours where um, you don't necessarily get to come see the hippos and meet them, but you get to see where Fiona was born and where they live and what we do. Um, and you've had a lot of success with those, right? Yes, absolutely. So those sold out last year, and that kind of stems from our Access for All program. Um, one, we want to make habitats accessible to everyone, but additionally, an aspect of that is financial uh, availability as well. And so we wanted to create some lower-end cost-wise tours that guests would be able to take advantage of. They could add on for a daily thing, just something fun to add on to their trip. And the Hippo Barn tours stem from that idea that there are so many people that want to know about Fiona's story and all the amazing work that went into it. So this gives us an opportunity to share that story with more guests. And you could probably speak to this better than we could, obviously, because you're the one leading the tours. But I've heard really good uh, like feedback from the Hippo Barn tours, even though you're not necessarily meeting the hippos. Like... People still really enjoy it. They still really enjoy getting to see that behind-the-scenes space, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And they get to take selfies with Fiona's baby bottle and learn all sorts of stuff. Um, but we get people from all over the country. Uh, we had representation from 52 states this year. With, wow. Or, sorry, geez, 42 <laughs> states, um, which is incredible. Um, we had people from Germany, from uh, Ireland, from Australia fly in just to do the Hippo Barn Tour and not necessarily the uh, Hanging with the Hippos experience, wow. which is incredible. That's incredible. The support is kind of, it's still mind-blowing six years later. that I mean, I love that they love seeing the barn, but I'm still blown away that it's like exciting enough that people want to because yeah. I'm like, it's a barn. Don't you want to see the animals? I know they do, but yeah, it's, it's awesome that and they love it. Jenna, something that you could probably shed some light on. I've heard guests kind of ask, like, during chats or um, kind of keeper interactions with the public, like, they want to know, like, why can't we offer these hippo tours more often? Like, oh, why gosh. aren't we doing, you know, 10 or 12 of these a week? Will you speak a little bit to that? Because I know that that is something that I don't necessarily think a lot of the public understands. But Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, yeah, we understand that it's really frustrating that you'll try and get on one day and they're sold out in minutes, um, you know, and why can't we do it differently? But or offer more. But honestly, when you think about it, the number one priority for our animals here at the zoo is their welfare and their health and what makes them happy. So as much as the hippos love eating and getting to meet people and doing these tours, we also have to let them rest and be hippos at times as well. So you can imagine if they were just 
asked to come to the wall and meet people all day long. They wouldn't get to do those natural behaviors. And honestly, I don't think they would. As much as they love to eat, I don't think that they would come over all day, every day. Like um, the novelty would wear off. Exactly. Of yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's also like we have other things to do. So the keepers are there to help facilitate the parts of the tour that are a little more they have a little more liability. So um, putting our hands towards the hippo's mouth, of course, can be dangerous. So we try and keep it to a limited number of people who are trained for that. Um, and so we have other things to do. We're behind the scenes cleaning. Um, you often see us, if you do come to a barn tour, because we're back there working and we have training to do. And that's another part of not being able to feed them off the wall all day because we have to use some of their food for training and, and rewarding with positive um, you know, reinforcement. So there's a lot that goes into it just as far as time and what the hippos would be willing to do. And then parts that people may not know are that we also do tours that are randomly for, you know, bringing in donors and thanking them for all of their support and also, um, you know, special opportunities for children who are coming from, you know, we are right next to Children's Hospital. So we do a lot of tours. Sometimes it can be three a day. So it's not just these paid tours we're doing. So we do have to limit it somehow. That's, I don't know if that's exactly what you were thinking of, but. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But Zach, could you speak <clears throat> to a little bit to uh, like some of these kind of conservation organizations that we, we do support? Sure. Absolutely. Maybe not necessarily specifically through the Hanging with the Hippos, but through yeah. all of our tours. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things we did uh, starting last October was reach out to all of our keeper teams and allow them the opportunity to highlight some organizations they're familiar with uh, that are involved with the species that the tour is also involved with. And so from those conversations in partisan with our keeper teams, we selected some great organizations around the globe that 50% uh, of our revenue now goes towards. And so just to highlight some of those, uh, our draft tours, for example, they go to Wild Nature Institute, uh, which is working out in Tanzania. And they are now using actually AI software to identify giraffes based off of their spot patterns, which is pretty cool. So uh, they have researchers out in the field taking photos of the giraffes, and then they are using those spot patterns to identify them and track them throughout their entire life. Um, which is amazing. They are covering such a, a wide range of species and animals through this process as well, where it's not just limited to giraffes, but anything on the Tanzanian plain that they are uh, interacting with. Um, but they are tracking 3,500 giraffes right now, and that is one of the largest mammal-based uh, studies going on right now, which is great. 3,500. They definitely need the, the help from AI software because yeah. I think some of us struggle sometimes with four or five giraffes. <laughs> it is very impressive. Um, and then our penguin tours, they partner with SANCOB, um, which is the Southern African Foundation for the Conservation of Coastal Birds. And so they have plenty of projects going on. Uh, just to highlight a couple of them, they do all sorts of artificial insemination and hand rearing uh, off of the coast of Cape Cod. Uh, which is amazing. They are bringing in penguins that are malnourished, uh, bringing them back up to speed, and then re-releasing them as well. Um, and then they also started what is called the D-Hoop Penguin Colony. Um, it's about three hours from uh, three hours from Cape Town, and they are bringing in um, penguins to this area where there's no natural predators, um, allowing them to repopulate there, and then oh, cool. actually taking them back to natural areas, which is very cool, great work. Um, but all of our partner organizations are incredible. They do amazing work around the globe. Um, I would love to highlight all of them, but there's just so many of them mm. doing fantastic work. Um, so if you guys have any questions about any specific ones, I'd be happy to. Well, I think just a point 
that I'd like to say is that we love that we get the get the choice and get to have a a part of what the money goes to from these tours. So we love that and you know, like we said, the hippo tours are very, very popular and we make a lot of money from them. So we've actually decided to split the money from hippo tours and we give back to vulture conservation and hippo conservation because vultures are at more of a risk. And we love our vultures here so mm -hmm. much. So it's a way that we can give back. And as much as I think a vulture tour would sell, we don't really have like a setup for people to come <laughs> meet our vultures. So this is a way that the hippos are actually giving back um, to vulture conservation. So I know that's something that we love, that we get to be a part of that and, and hear what we're doing. Um, I know you mentioned that we've done a lot of tours and we, and we do a ton. Um, do you know like the monetary value that we've given back to conservation, maybe as a whole or whatever's easiest to speak sure. to? So uh, last year we ran 1,112 tours, wow. which is a lot, a big, yeah. big shift in growth there. Um, and then 1,100 we... tours. I mean, that comes out to like three per day every single day of the year. Yes. Like, that's insane. So uh, <laughs> during our busiest season, we're running about 28 a week, which is incredible. It's wow. incredible to see the uh, support from not only the local community, but we get a lot of out-of-state visitors for these tours as well. And through all of our efforts last year, we were able to raise $160,000 for conservation. That's amazing. Which is so cool. That's uh, why I love doing what I do. Not only are we educating guests about what we're doing here to help support conservation, but they are also helping support these organizations globally that are doing incredible work. That's amazing. Hats off to you guys and kudos for that. Because I know it's no small task for you and your team to facilitate all those tours, but clearly it's making a huge difference. That's awesome. And when Mark says team, he means one full-timer being Zach and two part-time people. Is that still the... We are expanding this year to Yay. add an additional part-time person, but awesome. uh, historically it has been myself and then two part-time people, which is great. So we get to do probably about 500 tours each year, which is amazing Ooh. with the additional ask that we get. Do you ever get sick of saying the same thing over and over or like telling the same story? Uh, I don't. I love it. And the great thing about these conservation efforts is it's always expanding. It's always evolving. And there's always new things to talk about. Um, so even with Wild Nature Institute, one of the new things they're doing is offering NFTs of uh, the spot patterns for the giraffe no that they're way. monitoring. What's so, an NFT? Should I know this? That's a non-fungible token. It's in the crypto sphere now, which Stop is Stop it. Uh, just another great way for fundraising, a very <laughs> unique way to do it. Something I never thought would be possible, but <laughs> is Giraffe conservation is being supported by like a crypto... It's I would have never guessed there were giraffe NFTs out there. It's incredible. Wow. So we got to start our own line here. It'll be great. But it is just amazing to see how conservation is an ever-evolving aspect. And there's new ways to approach it. There's no correct answer on how to approach it. And any way that we can help or impact these species that need our help is great. So. Well, speaking of, there are certain things we do other than tours or a part of tours that I think um, could make somebody's... Uh, event or something a little bit extra special. Will you go in and tell us like the extra special things you can do, such as engagements or proposals, I should say. Sure. So uh, we offer two proposal packages here, <laughs> uh, but really we can do it with any species. Um, but the two most requested are with our elephants and our penguins. And so on both of those tours, you receive a painting from uh, our elephants or penguins, uh, the very abstract artist, which I love. Um, <laughs> And then on the back of those canvases, we'll typically write the words, will you marry me? And as guests are going through that process, right towards the end, at the big magical moment, the canvas is revealed, um, the proposal happens, and we're right there to capture all the amazing photos for them. So, Were you with me on the tour? I don't know if it was you. 
it might have been way back in the day where we were doing a tour and if this couple is listening I hope you're doing well you had a fantastic wedding but the man proposing actually dropped the ring and myself oh, no. and the woman did not notice it must it wasn't you it must have been Sam but Sam and obviously the man who dropped it noticed and they just went with it and did great wait and is this a hippo tour did yes. it go in the water or no, was it no. on the ground it was okay. on the ground like she was at the wall closer to the hippos with me and he was behind her so thankfully oh, no. they found it but oh my gosh it was <laughs> do, do you have any funny stories or any like really magical stories you want to share sure so i mean there's plenty of i know it makes a big impression yes yeah. uh, no one no one has ever said no on the tour which is great <laughs> um i'm all for that um, I think the funniest thing when we're doing these tours is the uh, person who is doing the proposing, trying to find that right moment to get down, and that usually involves us distracting to some capacity, being like, oh, hey, look over here for great photos. So that's also a fun process. Mm. Everyone approaches it differently. Um, we had a young couple that got proposed to with the uh, the penguins, and their painting that they had, the uh, penguin actually pooped on it <laughs> right before we took all the photo shots. So we redid the painting for them. That was my definitely my funniest moment. Uh, I feel like it'd be extra special with that. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It's a story to share. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you've had no one ever say no yet. Like, fingers crossed. I mean, how are you going to say no if you're at the zoo, right? Like, but that would be horrible. What if be... they just say yes <laughs> and don't have to, like... Maybe you're right. <laughs> they get home and they're like, actually, I was just too too scared to say it in front of all these zoo people. Um, oh, do you have any memories... This is putting you on the spot, but, like, I mentioned, we've done tours for children coming from Cincinnati Children's Hospital or different organizations just, you know, trying to make their day extra special or any, you know, of these tours that just ended up being really special for any reason? Sure. So my favorite are always when we work with other organizations to make these special tours happen. Make-A-Wish is an example of that. And I know last year we facilitated 17 of those special tours, um, and those are always my favorite to do. You're creating lasting memories for these kids, um, and they're always the most excited to meet the animals yeah. they love. I can't tell you the joy brings me, and I know you guys as mm -hmm. well, seeing kids light up when Fiona is just a couple inches from them. Um, but that goes true for all the animals we work with. Mm -hmm. I have seen some people incredibly excited to meet walking sticks, which is great. I love that. Um, it's amazing. Uh, we also have done all sorts of social media with this as well. Um, we've made kangaroo TikToks, which I never thought I would get to say as part of the <laughs> oh, job description. I don't think I've seen those. Cool. And getting to involve some public members in those as well has been great. Um, they're just walking by and we're like, hey, would you like to help us out with this experience? And just creating those magical moments is great. That's why I love doing what I I do, so. Do you ever, like, think back and wonder what it'd be like to be a zookeeper? Or did you consider doing, like, an internship as a zookeeper, or...? I've always wanted to be in the conservation realm. I didn't think zookeeping, outside of what kindergarten okay. really thought, was, was in the... <laughs> so you uh, moved it, past that. Yes. I've always thought research would be a great aspect. Um, for me, I love data. And so any way that I can bring that into the job is great. And so for those who don't know, uh, after every tour, we are gathering data from the guests that are coming through. And this is helping us gauge our key performance indicators, such as conservation messaging, tour length, animal interaction. And we take all that feedback into just fostering better experiences for people as they come through. We've gotten all sorts of great ideas from that. Um, one of those was actually revamping the hippo wall to make it accessible to wheelchairs, which mm -hmm. is great. So that was one of our projects we just recently completed, and we're very excited. The feedback from that has been amazing. So Yeah, and I can definitely attest to what you said about like the special tours. I think Jen and I both, like the tours are always fun for us on the keeper side just because 
it, it doesn't matter who it is, it's always fun to be able to facilitate that experience and just be there while people experience that kind of magic moment. But especially for, you know, you mentioned like the Make-A-Wish Foundation, like those kind of tours are especially special, especially special. <laughs> like they're always so rewarding to just to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always so interesting, especially with Fiona. It's often like grown-ups but one because we have an age restriction just because the hippos can be really dangerous um but it's often grown women that are just so excited and it's still to this day i say i never thought six years later fiona would have this impact mm -hmm. on somebody and just seeing someone else get really excited i don't think that we really take our jobs for granted but there are definitely times where it's like i forget how like this isn't normal sitting here next to a yeah. hippo is not normal and it helps like revive you and re yeah. and like remind you that every zookeeper's had cool. that moment where you're scooping 100 pounds of poop yeah. up where you're like man maybe i made a mistake here but <laughs> there's always those Christmas morning, there's yeah. always those moments that bring you back for sure yeah definitely yeah. you mentioned the wild nature institute and all of that they're doing do you have any other stories or information on like any really impactful things that have come from the money we've donated for sure. the other ones? So um, our most of our money from that organization specifically is going towards uh, providing you know staffing for taking photos and evaluating those giraffes out in the wild. But in terms of other programs we work with, uh, we do a Galapagos tortoise tour here, which is incredible. Oh my gosh. You guys may not think... Uh, sorry, I just have to interrupt you because... I finally met them last year. I, I actually worked with them in Wild Encounters when they were teeny tiny babies when they first got here. But then I haven't really like met them since when they, they're now like, how big? 150? About pounds? 115, 120 okay. is where the majority of them are at, yes. And you wouldn't, I've always loved turtles growing up, but you wouldn't necessarily think like this tortoise experience would be super, super exciting. They are so charismatic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They are so fun. If you haven't thought of it and you want to do a new tour here, if you've done others or you've never done one. I highly recommend Galapagos Tortoise. It's, it's a big seller. It's great. We love that. And um, I love that people love tortoises as much as I do. Um, but that <laughs> you revenue... put those in your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it'd be tough to lift those. Um, but they partner with the Turtle Survival Alliance based out of South Carolina. And they are doing all sorts of research on tur or turtles and tortoises across the globe. Um, one of their main projects, they're working along the Mekong River right now uh, with the Asian soft-shelled turtle. And uh, for those that don't know, the Mekong River is the most uh, biodiverse per square hectare river in the world. Uh -huh. uh, even more than the Amazon, which is incredible. Where is this located? Uh, so it goes through uh, Vietnam and okay. then so Asia majority uh, there as well. Um, and so with the Mekong River, they are monitoring, uh, you know, the diverse populations of these tortoises, but also people are uh, segregating that off for farming. And so that's having a large impact on the oh. river flow itself. Mm -hmm. they, it's very subject to droughts as well. So they're going in and evaluating these nesting locations, making sure the populations are up to date um, or up to, up to speed. And if they're, they're lower than usual, uh, they're monitoring that data and then reintroducing uh, the Asian soft turtles to those locations as well. Oh, so, okay. That's wow. very cool. Yeah, I had no idea that we were giving to them at all, so I'm definitely learning a lot today. <laughs> um, and then we also, um, I don't know if you have any information on Volpro, which is one of the vulture um, uh, organizations that we are supporting, but I know they do tons of work with basically rehabbing animals, vultures that have, like, been struck by power or ran into um, an electrocutor from power lines um, or poisoned because unfortunately vultures are um, secondhand getting mm -hmm. poisoned from 
uh, other carcasses that are poisoned like lions and yeah. carnivores. Um, so I know they're doing a ton of work with vultures and saving them just like literally they're sick, but there's so much that actually needs to be done as far as data collection and research that you don't think about is really important for conservation. So I know that's like, there's hands on where you're like actually saving an animal, but then there's so much that this money can also go to. And Sure, absolutely. And so the other half of our HIPPO uh, money goes towards the Uganda Conservation Foundation. And so they are protecting an area in Uganda where vultures are present. But in addition, um, they are getting more into the aspect of what does the local community and conservation look like. And so the biggest threat to uh, any of the animals in that area is poaching from the outside uh, surrounding community. And that is really just due to a lack of opportunities for paying jobs. Mm -hmm. And so through the Uganda Conservation Foundation, they are working with the local government to provide opportunities to both uh, youth and adults uh, to help monitor wild populations there. And that is funded uh, in part through us and other organizations where we are now seeing the youth and the adults there go out, collect traps, and get paid for that. Uh, and that has really dropped the rate of poaching in that area, which is amazing. Um, and it kind of brings into this aspect of conservation is more than just research in the area. There is all sorts of social economic uh, factors that play into this. And uh, this is just an example of how uh, providing job opportunities can help protect wild species. Absolutely. Yeah. I've heard so many stories where um, there were people that were poaching just to keep their families fed and alive. And once uh, like presented with an opportunity to do the exact opposite, like get paid to, you know, be vigilant over the area or uh, remove snares or that sort of thing. Now they're the complete opposite of what a poacher was and they're getting paid and it's so important. It's always, you know, you've probably heard this saying before, but like it's wildlife problem is like actually a people problem. So we definitely need to support the people to help and the communities to help save these animals, which is hard because sometimes it's really easy to get angry at like, how could you poach an animal? How could you kill an animal? Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's amazing that these organizations are helping people too, which in turn helps these animals. Yeah, and I think that's such a common thread between what is successful conservation work, right? There's always got to be some community level buy-in. There's always got to be support from the local people. Otherwise, you're kind of fighting against the water current. Like, it's not going to work if the people that are there in the area aren't supporting it. So that's awesome that we're able to support an organization that is kind of getting that local buy-in. And like Jenna said, like, you may have been a poacher before, and now you're actually helping save the animals. So that's awesome, yeah. Yeah, it's great to see it. It like turn around and really help people too. So do you have any tours that we do that like we love all our animals here, but like that you may not have expected to be successful or be a hit. I know you've mentioned like the insect one is really popular. The Galapagos tortoise is really popular. Do we have a tour here that we do that like you get amazing feedback from and it's great and you didn't necessarily expect that. Sure, absolutely. And honestly the example of that is the hippo barn tour. Um oh, we awesome we, had expectations that people would be interested, but we did not figure that it would sell out at the rate that it does. Um, but another one is, if you've ever come to the zoo, you've seen our bird show uh, with the Wings of Wonder team, which is amazing. And so we do a winter offering of that. Uh, it's a private space. Guests get to come in and they fly the birds right over you. It's really cool, really unique, but also gives our uh, birds here something to do over the winter oh, to keep yeah. themselves engaged. Hmm. Um, and so that has been great. Uh, they work with the World Paratrust, which is a new organization to us. And they've been around oh, for a couple decades now, and they do all sorts of great work. I know uh, one of their big projects is with the Gray Parrot. And they were actually able to uh, start a petition, get seven, 76,000 uh, signatures on that. 
and then remove the gray parrot from the list of pets that you are allowed to own. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And that's got to be a really cool experience for guests here to like, I mean, the bird show in itself, when you're in the bigger auditorium with a hundred other people, it's always such a cool moment when the birds actually fly over you. For that to be like a private experience, that's got to be awesome. Yeah. It's, I love the bird show. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> um, let's see. Is there anything else we haven't covered that we should? Haven't thought of? I mean, I know, are there any other success stories you'd want to share that we haven't brought up? I think just one of the biggest things that we are still talking and engaging with guests about is EEHV. Oh, yeah. Which is the uh, elephant endotheliotropic herpes virus. I think I said that correctly. Um, and so we are working with the uh, Baylor Lab, um, and they are doing all sorts of research on a cure for this. And so still long ways away, a lot of process there, but it does impact both Asian and African elephants. It is um, a most of the time fatal uh, mm -hmm. thing that flares up and there's no real rhyme or reason we found to why this is happening and so um, this is something we're harping on uh, we are getting new elephants here at the yeah. zoo which is great and so we are investing a lot of resources from those tours into trying to help with the uh, research behind that yeah with the new elephant trek um Habitat opening next year, we will actually be having a specific lab for EEHV and hoping to start being one of the zoos that are leading with this research and hopefully finding a cure for it. And it does happen in wild elephants as well, um, but typically affects juvenile elephants. And like Zach said, it's more often than not almost always fatal. Mm -hmm. So definitely a huge deal. And so our tours are going to be donating to that research? They are. Um, they have a couple other organizations we work with, but that is where the bulk of okay. our revenue is going to in the coming years, which is great. Great. So. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I wish we didn't have to. I wish that wasn't an issue, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Well, Zach, if you're up for it, I do have some trivia for you guys today. Absolutely. If you're in, all right, Jenna. Can't wait. You're up for it. <laughs> So today, obviously, we're talking to our tour guide extraordinaire over here. So we're dealing with, like, tour numbers and attendance numbers is what we're dealing with today. Not necessarily numbers, but, like, places that people visit, popular areas, etc. Oh, First question I've got for you. There had to be one. This is the only numbers question, Jenna. The rest are you're going to have to name a place. I'm really bad at This numbers. is your only number question. What was the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden's record attendance for a year? For the whole year? For a year. It's not yeah. a day? Oh my gosh. 1.3 million. 1.3 million for a year? Zach, you have a guess? I'll say 2 million. Oh. Zach's almost exactly on the what? money. 1.9 wow. million. Yeah. 1.9 million. Must have missed a, a few employee meetings for that. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Price is Right rules. You got me there. <laughs> 1.9 million for nice. a year, though. That's crazy. Insane, yeah, it's so many people at this I zoo. swear when I started here a long time ago, it was like, the goal was to get to a million a year. I could be making that up. I have a terrible memory, <laughs> but it seems like a lot. Like, we've come a, a long way. Absolutely, yeah, definitely impressive. That's the only number question, though, Jenna. From there, we're going away from numbers, but still in the attendance realm. What is the most attended or visited zoo in the country? Unfortunately, it is not Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden. We'll get there one day. Do you want to guess first? Or do you know? I'll let you go first. Let's... I mean, I'm going... I, I assume San Diego. San Diego? That would have been my guess as well. Um, but I'll, I'll throw... I'll say the Bronx. Bronx. You oh, guys are cool. actually both incorrect. Wait, don't... And... Let us guess again. Okay. Were you're you going to you're, you're gonna know it once... Once you hear it, you're going to understand why it's the number one. 
Disney Animal Kingdom. Disney That's, Animal uh, Kingdom, exactly, okay. yeah. So obviously Disney's Animal Kingdom and Disney World, it's going to be able to kind of draw from all the visitors that come into Disney World. But Animal Kingdom gets around 13.5 to 14 million visitors wow. a year. So Cincinnati Zoo, we, we can do it. We've got a long way to go. <laughs> but we're expanding, elephant trucks coming, we're always building new exhibits and making the most out of our space, but... But that's pretty impressive, yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's a really cool zoo. I haven't been. I was gonna oh, say, yeah. you've been. It's worth going. Yeah, for sure. it's definitely on my bucket list yeah. for sure. Our Zach, meerkats are from there. Yeah. Our painted dogs live there. Yeah, yeah, we sent a group of painted dogs there a few years ago. Yeah, definitely have to get down there. All right, next up, what is the most visited or attended national park in the country? I'm gonna say Yellowstone. I was going to guess Yellowstone. Yellowstone. You're both incorrect. Do you have another guess? Um, this Yellowstone would have been my first guess too, but I guess uh, from what I kind of read, this park benefits because it's like geographic location. Like Yellowstone, you're not going to go to Yellowstone unless you make a trip specifically out to go to Yellowstone, right? Like how often are you going to be in like the Wyoming area? But this is kind of like a, a pass-through state or like a pass-through park kind of thing. I don't know if that helps or not. But <laughs> it doesn't. You're making a lot of <laughs> geographic knowledge here. Um, yeah, I don't... See, like, I want to say Grand Canyon too, but that's oh, Grand yeah. Canyon's number two. Oof! All right, you're on the right track. I feel like it's going to be obvious when you say it, but I can't. So number one is actually Great Smoky Mountain National Park oh. in Tennessee. That makes the most. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, kind of like nestled in, kind of like right in the center of the country. People are always going from like Florida to New York, yeah. kind of always back and forth through the area. So and I feel like it's bigger, right? It's than Yellowstone. bigger. No? I don't have the data on that. Okay. I, don't, I don't know which one's bigger. I can't I can't Like, more speak expansive, to it. but I don't know anything about geography I can't either, speak so. to it. But, yeah, uh, Great Smoky Mountains gets around 13 to 14 million visitors per year as well. So, right in that Animal Kingdom range. Just the Animal Kingdom has which more? Which crazy. Wow, okay. Yeah. Which is crazy how small of a space Animal Kingdom right. is compared to the National Park. But, all right, last question here. This one is, uh, I accept two answers for this one because there's some conflicting data. So, a couple sites say the one, a couple places say the other. What is the most visited tourist attraction in the United States? Not zoo, not aquarium, tourist attraction. So, like, the reason it's kind of, the data is kind of up in the air is because, um, just to give you a hint, these are places you do not have to pay to go to. So, there's no, like, set attendance, okay. if that makes sense. Is They're it, kind of estimates. Is it uh, Times Square? Times Square is one of oh, them. Oh, nice. Yeah, right. Times Square is one of them. Guys, have this. you have, want to try and guess the other one, Jenna? What's the question again? Most visited? Tourist attraction. Tourist attraction. Yeah, in the U.S. <clears throat> I can't even think of a tourist attraction. <laughs> it's free. Uh, it's kind of, Zach's, it's kind of like on the same level as Times Square, the one Zach got. Like, Oh, like it's kind uh, of an area or a space. Like you would LA, go to. Hollywood Squares. You're on the right track. Is that, a thing? Is that what it's called? Like a Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. <laughs> is that a TV show? Or a game show? I don't know. Zach, you have, you want to try and get both of them? I'm banking a lot here. Um, is it the Walk of Fame? It's not the Walk oh, of yeah, Fame. Oh yeah, that's kind of where my head was going. It's actually the Vegas Strip. Oh, okay. The Vegas Strip. Yeah. Yeah. Times yeah, Square, the Vegas Strip, both of them get around 50 million visitors per year. Okay. Which is mind-numbing to think that many people <laughs> in that size of a space. But. No kidding. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, I don't think I did very good, but I didn't really embarrass myself as much as usual. No, so. no embarrassments at all. I want to do trivia. There's next. never embarrassments in trivia. Never. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Zach, I have one final question for you. What can I do? Absolutely. Uh, I would highly recommend booking a behind-the-scenes tour, and uh, as the tour guide extraordinaire, <laughs> uh, as proclaimed by Mark, um, it is a great opportunity to give back towards conservation. Also, you get to interact with animals, and uh, we're even offering some non-animal-based tours this coming year that you can take. Uh, you can visit our Crew Research Center, oh, which is incredible. Nice. We'll be offering horticulture tours and even sustainability tours. So there's plenty of options out there for everyone, even if just animals aren't your thing. And so. will money be going to conservation from those tours as well? Absolutely. So Very cool. 50% of everything we raise through this program will be going back to conservation in one end or the other. So for the crew ones, will you get to meet and talk with one of the scientists there? So those will be led building? by our team, okay. uh, but you will get to meet Charlotte, our uh, life-size <laughs> Uh, rhino replica, um, and that's a great interaction. So, <laughs> highly recommend checking that out. That's we all I'll say about that. Yeah, we won't I spoil keep it. The mystery there, <laughs> okay. so. Awesome. And then for the horticulture ones, are they going back to the greenhouses, or are they just like doing a tour of the zoo? Um, so those will be. Uh, or I should say, are they doing a tour of the botanical gardens? I always feel bad when. <laughs> we do that. So it will be botanical garden uh, centered, and so it'll kind of depend on the season that they come take the tour. Okay. So our most uh, upcoming one is Tulip Trek. Oh. Uh, so it's one of the tulips are in bloom. You'll get to come through, check those out. Do and you then, lead those, your team? Uh, we do. We are trained up by the horticulture team. Nice. Uh, I've learned a lot about plants recently, so I'm very excited to uh, to give those. Um, and then they offer their own kind of private ones as well, um, but those all run through the horticulture team. So. Okay. Mm. And what was the third one you mentioned? Uh, sustainability. Oh, yeah. And so the zoo does all sorts of great work uh, to maintain a sustainable nature. And so this is just kind of highlighting some of those areas. Um, with Elephant Trek, they are building all sorts of rain collection underneath that so that we can repurpose the water. And so it just kind of takes you through some of our facilities and all that we're doing here to stay green. I want to do one of those tours. There's so much that we're doing that I don't even like know is happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's great because not only are you supporting the zoo and making awesome memories with your family or friends, that you're also supporting conservation through this, like, getting out there and doing something action item. Mm -hmm. So. That's I would good. definitely recommend the crew one. I mean, it's so cool to kind of see what they're doing and what they're researching over at crew. I personally want to get in on the horticulture tours. I need to, I always want to learn more about plants. I don't know enough. I always need to learn more about our botanical gardens here and our horticulture work. So yeah, I'm about like, to sign up for that. Like I said, I always feel bad when we talk about the zoo. It's a zoo and botanical gardens because they do really it deserve definitely all is. of that credit. It's mm -hmm. very, very awesome. Well, great. Thank you to you and your team for everything that you guys are doing and leading these tours and inspiring people because that's one of the reasons the zoo is here. And Botanical Garden, look at me. Gosh, I need to work on that. <laughs> um, it's here. It's to inspire people. So um, without your team, we wouldn't be doing as much of that. Well, thank you guys so much for your time, not only on the tours, but right now. Um, and thank you for the invitation and sharing a little bit more. Really yeah. enjoyed it. So. No, always happy to have you. Couldn't think of a better person inspiring people through the, through the zoo as they come through for these tours. So definitely appreciate your work, Zach. Alrighty. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. Until next time.